it's really giving people the opportunity to, like Wesley said, is this for me? Do I want to learn more? And then how do I do that in the communities in which I live? So I think that's something that we have done increasingly with these workshops is just showing different ways to engage and interact with other organizations. And sometimes it's not a college, right? We're at Past Foundation. Um, we were at Tolls earlier this week and we've done it in a lot of different places. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the Past Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, super excited about the conversations that we get to have with innovative thinkers and creatives in the world of education. And today um, is a special treat um, because we are going to be um, having a Learning Unboxed takeover. And joining us um, for that uh, process is Ibrahim Ali, who was a previous guest from episode 165, which was all about using internships to spur interest in STEM careers. So it seems absolutely fitting to me that Ibrahim be the one to walk us um, through a conversation about a really cool, innovative, largely unknown in my world, um, career opportunity, something called, you know, fusion splicing. So Ibrahim, the mic is yours. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming to the podcast. As Dr. Corbin said, my name is Ibrahim Ali. I am a junior at Metro High School and also a participant of PASS's Workforce Development Program over the summer. This is also going to be a new field to me, and I'm really interested to learn. Joining us today is going to be Pat Stitcher, and then he is from Sumitomo, and he is the hyperscale trainer. And then we also have Quinn Jernigan from Amazon Web Services. And she is the economic workforce development manager. And we have Wesley Ollinger from Team Fischl, and he is the division manager. Thank you all for coming. And let's get started. Quinn, I'd like to ask you. So as Amazon has come to Ohio, you guys have come with a huge footprint with lots of data centers. And what are these data centers? What do they entail? And what's Amazon doing? Yeah, so thanks for having me on the podcast, um, Ibrahim. So what are data centers and what do they do? Data centers um, hold equipment that are responsible for processing, storing, um, and transmitting data. Uh, if you enjoy your podcasts and listening to them, they have to be stored somewhere. Sometimes they're stored on what people call the cloud, right? So um, if if your stuff is in a cloud, it's going to be stored um, not on a physical computer. A lot of times it's stored in a data center. Um, within those data centers, you have all types of equipment, um, you know, racks and servers, but we also have equipment like generators and HVAC um, and cooling and heating because there has to be some maintenance of the physical equipment as well. 
Um, in addition to the data centers, like you mentioned, um, we also have a team called In Communities. Um, they do a lot of work in the uh, Ohio area. They have things like Girls Tech Day, where they invited over 500 students um, to participate in different STEM activities. They also do a lot of different volunteer programs as well in the community um, and doing different things to support the workforce as well. Okay. Thanks so much. That was great information. So what's a broad understanding of fusion splicing? What does they even mean? From my perspective, as a student, I don't really know what that means. Could you explain it to us? A absolutely, Ibrahim. So to be able to access all this information, all this data from data centers, it needs to get to whatever you're viewing it on or whatever you're engaging with it on. For example, you might be engaging with a, a podcast on your cellular phone. Maybe it's on a personal computer. Maybe it's on some type of uh, 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 device like connected to your TV. Whatever the case might be, it has to get there somehow. So we call that the actual physical infrastructure and the primary um, the primary type of physical infrastructure is optical fiber. We actually transmit this information at the speed of light. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, we, uh, um, we send it via lasers using light going across a optical fiber. So think of the optical fibers kind of like the roadway for this information. Now you might say, well, my cell phone doesn't have any wires to it. <laughs> it doesn't have any fiber to it. Well, I'll... A lot of parts of the network do have different ways to access it, right? So you can do it wirelessly. You can do it with different types of mediums. But the uh, capacity, the speed, and actually the distance that can carry, um, as well as the amount of data, um, is uh, significantly larger on optical fiber. So once you put on the optical fiber, you can't just, just have one fiber. Those fibers have to go to a variety of different places. And the way you connect those fibers together is using a fusion splicer. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing the next uh, uh, couple of days. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. So, Wesley, uh, now that Pat has explained what fusion splicing is, can you help me understand what Team Fischl is doing from the perspective of um, helping Amazon um, what are you guys doing? No, absolutely. And um, I think as Quinn and Pat were kind of saying, so, you know, Quinn is on the side of the data center side and Pat's on the side of manufacturing and teaching and developing best practices in the industry. And I'd like to think of, you know, myself and Team Fischl, we kind of collaborate the two. We take the need for Quinn and the technology and best practices that Pat puts out, and we implement the actual workforce that puts that into practice. So like Pat was saying, you know, you may have a, um, your cell phone or your smart devices in your house. Well, they ultimately have to get back to a data center somehow. And that's where we come in. We go in and actually physically install the cable that Sumitomo manufactures. And then we use Sumitomo splice machines to essentially fuse those cables together to get up to wherever it needs to go. So we're kind of the, I guess, the the middleman in a sense that we actually put it into practice that's ultimately serving a, a need that AWS has while using Sumitomo's, you know, manufacturing and products. So we're kind of the 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 people that make the internet work, I should say. 
All right. And then, Pat, did you have anything to add? Oh, actually, I was going to say, Team Fischl, the, the, their piece is building it um, and making sure it works. <laughs> yeah. And then, Quinn, did you want to add anything? Yes, I did. So, um, in addition to, and I know we're talking about the internet and Amazon, um, but fiber optic uh, cables and fibers also serve telecom industries, too. So, um, it's, it's a very diverse industry. Um, and not only putting the fibers in, um, but things like fiber to the home, uh, higher speed internet. Um, and then uh, when things do go wrong, we don't anticipate it all the time, but when things do go wrong, Team Fischl is able to support the repair and functioning so that we don't uh, lose the sight of our Netflix. It doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we understand the basics of fusion splicing and what uh, you guys are helping Amazon do. So you guys are actually here for the Past Foundation three-day event about fusion splicing. So you guys are having one for 18 to 24-year-olds that goes a little bit more in-depth. And then you guys are also having one for high school students. So Pat, from what skills are the participants going to gain from this workshop and what is the most important skills to success in this field? Uh, great, great question, Ibrahim. We do a, or we're going to be reviewing uh, a lot of the different aspects or the different steps on actually doing the fusion splicing, starting with how the actual optical fiber works, how we protect that in, inside a cable, because it, be it could be running through a building, it could be running from pole to pole outside, it could be beneath the ground. Um, there, we have to protect that, uh, that fiber that the actual light is transmitting, the data is being tra uh, transmitted across. But to actually uh, splice these fibers together, to actually do the fusion splicing, you have to uh, enter those cables and do it in such a way that's safe, not just for the technician working on the, uh, working on the cable, um, but also, too, to make sure that you're not compromising the actual fibers that are in there. So we go into that. We go into, the, obviously, the actual splicing portion. Um, once we have all these fibers laid out, there has to be a way that we can plug it into stuff. So we actually do talk about um, uh, how you put a connector or how you terminate uh, that fiber. And once that piece is done, then you need to make sure that the actual, the network, all these fibers that were spliced together will actually work and transmit the data. And there's actually very specific uh, test equipment that's used to, uh, to do that. So we kind of take from start to finish, from the glass itself, all the way to the uh, to the finish network today. Okay. And then also, did you want to add anything to yeah, that? Was, uh, I'll jump in there real quick. So I was yeah. lucky enough to sit through one of the classes that Pat put on. And I'll say the the techniques and the, you know, the things that he teaches or I assume Tomo teaches in these classes are actual real world applications that I see and we do on an everyday basis. So you you really get the the first hand hands-on knowledge or hands-on experience of what an everyday fusion splicing technician does and kind of what their role is and you know it gives it a good I guess basis of or foundation of saying is this for me and you know if it is that you've basically got a leg up on everybody else because you've already got a background in it and a, a foundational knowledge of it. So. All right. Thank you two very much. 
And then Quinn, do you want to add anything? Yes, I did want to add something. And this is something that I've heard uh, Pat talk about in class all the time. Um, you got to pay attention to detail. You asked about skills that um, you learn in the class and things that would be helpful in the field. You have to pay attention. Um, there's very specific equipment. Um, you have to make sure you have on your safety goggles and your gear. Um, but to also uh, just be very um, attentive. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to ask you another question, Quinn. So uh, specifically from Amazon's perspective, are there any skills that either of them might use or learn from Amazon? So um, one of the things that we um, talk about a lot is being able to collaborate with other organizations. And a lot of our collaborating partners are educational institutions. Um, when we work with places like career and technical education centers or community colleges, um, that's tapping into the diversity of the community and um which leads to the diversity of the workforce. And I think that um, providing opportunities that have low barriers to entry, and that means that it's not hard for people to get to it. So if this particular school or community center or educational center is in a central part of the, the, of the city, um, if folks can take a bus, um, if it's free, um, if you're providing food, if there are other resources that you also provide, then that's um, lowering the barrier for people to participate. I think that by doing that, um, you tap into a workforce that you may or may not have gotten to. I think we hear all the time when people attend these workshops, I've never heard of fusion splicing. What in the world is that? And so just bringing awareness, I think, in a way that is low stakes, right? So we're not, um, there is an exam in the class, but it's not too tough. But it's kind of checking for understanding and make sure that that folks um, are getting those skills that Pat and Wesley mentioned, but it's really giving people the opportunity to, like Wesley said, is this for me? Do I want to learn more? And then how do I do that in the communities in which I live? So I think that's something that we have done increasingly with these workshops is just showing different ways to engage and interact with other organizations. And sometimes it's not a college, right? We're at Pass Foundation. Um, we were at Tolls earlier this week, and we've done it in a lot of different places. All right. Thank you very much. Now, Wesley, I didn't want to ask you, what do you see in the future for this specific field? What does this field hold? You know? Yeah. So um, I think we can all agree in this room that the Internet is slowly or I should say rapidly getting bigger and it's not going away anytime soon. And there's a, a constant mm -hmm. demand for more storage, more processing power, more everything because every device is connected now i can I, my refrigerator talks to me when the water is too low now <laughs> so everything everything's connected now and the foundation as pat was saying is optical fiber so i think the demand is only going to increase and to quinn's point i think trying to get the just the awareness of hey we need individuals like you and individuals that come to these these events to to perform the work because the growth and the demand is there. And we're, from my perspective, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. So I think it's only going to, to to further ramp up and we need the, the individuals out there to really fulfill that need and fulfill that workforce. So I think it's it's constantly growing and it's ever evolving, but it's, it's a highly in-demand job or uh, skill right now. Okay. So... Pat, I want to ask you, based on what Wesley was saying, how does the changes that Wesley was talking about impact your training? 
really from the uh, from the standpoint of the training, we want to make sure that we're actually just getting kind of visibility to the industry. I think that's really our biggest obstacle. Um, there's uh, so much opportunity for growth in industry that isn't something that you just build it once. You know, there's there's certain industries that might be booming for five or ten years, but after that, where do you go with your career? Um, this type of infrastructure is becoming always more essential to how we live. When we build these networks, it's uh, um, I look at it that we're developing an infrastructure for applications that we haven't even thought of yet. Every every year, there's going to be that new application, right? And more and more, we're just going to need to um, build that infrastructure to support that. So looking at these training is, I, I, I think the biggest thing that I focus on, yes, it's very, very good information, um, you know, the specifics on the fusion splicing portion. But really probably the biggest driver is just visibility into the industry as an actual whole. Um, it's not going away. Um, we, 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 it is a specialized skill set, and we definitely need uh, uh, the folks to support that. But once you get that skill set, there's other there's so many different aspects on supporting these networks. We just really focus on a very, very small piece. Um, that, that, that piece is, again, it's just a very, very small part of connecting the fibers together. There's so much more <laughs> that goes on to make this all work. All right. And then, Wesley, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I'll say to that, I think, you know, Pat does a good job of uh, essentially laying the groundwork of, you know, giving you an idea of what splicing is, what it's all about. But I feel that, you know, at least the the teammates that we've brought in from events like similar to this one is we we kind of take it a, an ownership to from Team Fischl's perspective of, okay, you, you've gotten the, the base training out of the way. Now it's time for us to kind of continually evolve and adapt with these new technologies. And, you know, we, we train all of our teammates yearly. We do, we're constantly trying to, you know, improve improve the training that we have. And we, we take what Pat's basically laying the groundwork for and we build off of that and continue to allow, you know, our splicers to, to keep up with the latest and greatest technology and really kind of help hone in and redefine their skill set and make sure that they're, you know, maximizing their efficiency and making sure they're getting as much out of it as they can because ultimately it helps AWS and all of the other customers that we have to provide a better product and op and ultimately helps the teammates grow their career and further their education and development. So it's it's kind of a, I think, Quinn, you were saying it's a collaborative work environment where we all kind of play an integral part, but we kind of build off of one another at the same time. So. All right. Thank you guys very much. And Quinn, did you want anything? Yeah, I just want to add to that. Um, that's perfectly stated, Wesley. Like it is a uh, symbiotic relationship between all of the companies provided here. Um, and I do want to just say that uh, as as learners evolve, the learning evolves as well. And so um, that's also a part of the workshops. Um, Pat and team have done a great job of um, putting up with me <laughs> as far as <laughs> assessment and continuous improvement models and adapting to our audience and providing um, diverse opportunities for folks to learn, incorporating more hands-on opportunities, more real-world examples, which then helps to facilitate Wesley's team when they bring them in. You like, like you said, they they have the groundwork, but let's give them a little bit more. And I think that it really just provides a great opportunity for not only the companies, but the learners as well. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And then we're going to ask you another question, Quinn. I know we're <laughs> throwing you out there. <laughs> but okay. uh, as WS is expanding, 
uh, on a global scale. How is the fiber uh, industry directly contributing to the growth of other industries such as 5G um, or just internet things in general um, and the data centers? And how is the fiber uh, industry working with other industries and organizations uh, that need to make decisions about our future and what should we know about it? Yeah. So um, at the beginning of every workshop, um, I have a small piece, small portion this big, um, where I talk about, uh, you know, well, why is AWS here? Like we're not, AWS isn't doing the class, Sumitomo's doing the class. Um, so so what are we doing here? Like what's happening? And so I definitely take it as a point to connect AWS to the work that's being done in the workshop. So we talk about um, the importance of cloud infrastructure. Um, so we know that the virtual cloud would be, we talked about this like DevOps, solutions, architect, those type of things. But there's also a cloud infrastructure. And we talked about that earlier. There has to be a physical space where this equipment lives and works. And so um, we have a vested interest in how data centers are built, right? So construction, those those types of skills and trades, electricians, um, how they are operated and maintained. So those are the folks that work in the data center, um, the operations techs, the wonderful people who make sure that the equipment runs as it's supposed to, and then connecting the data center. And that's where the fiber comes in and the fiber techs. So for us, fiber and fiber optics is how we connect um, not only to the internet, but how we connect to each other. Um, you know, if we have uh, multiple data centers or if we're trying to connect, um, you know, different speeds, we might need different size cables. And so Sumitomo manufactures the cables and then, well, Quinn's not going to go out there and dig, so <laughs> we have to call Team Fischl. And, uh, well, first we call 811 right, to make yeah. sure that there's yeah. <laughs> cables in the bottom. Um, and then, you know, we're going to call someone like Fischl to make sure that it, it's happening. So, um, you know, our customers are, you know, you and and. Annalise and the folks that passed and me. I mean, I have Netflix and Hulu too. <laughs> so I think that it's important to um, kind of make it real for people um, that this is not some kind of abstract concept that is just so far from what you're doing. Like it may sound weird, like fiber optics, fusion splicing. But um, again, we have a vested interest in how we connect um, not only our equipment, their equipment, um, the data centers, but to each other. So that's where it, where it comes in for Amazon. Um, and then also um, in the communities in which we are. So you mentioned that, you know, we're here in the Columbus area in Ohio. Um, we have an interest in, in the way that um, we operate in Ohio. And so we want to make sure that we um, are good stewards of, of the community that we operate in. Um, and that's important for us, too. All right. Thank you very much. And then, Pat, so what does Quentin just talked about? Um, what does it mean for you uh, in the work that your company is doing, specifically on the cable manufacturing side? So from a manufacturing standpoint, we need to make sure, obviously, that we're uh, making a product that once it's installed can last. And this is a type of infrastructure that... Um, 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, that's kind of the expectation, okay? Um, but also, too, as requirements change, we need to make sure that we're doing the necessary redesign of the products to help facilitate that. It wasn't that long ago um, that we thought that all the fiber we would need in a single cable might only be 72 fibers or 144 fibers. And now just because of needing to get all these types of connections out there, we're manufacturing cables in excess of 6,000 fibers in a single cable. Well, it also has to be small enough that you can actually physically install it and so on. And you need to make sure again, 
the whole purpose of the cable is to protect the fiber, its environment for all, as long of a life as you can. So we're constantly looking to our customers uh, such as AWS and seeing what their needs are for that physical infrastructure. And based on that, we need to come up with uh, good solutions that help them achieve that. All right. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Now, I have one more question. So what would you want a prospective student who might be interested or anyone who's interested to go into the workforce and what should they do right now? Um, what should they go out? Like, what would you tell them to do right now? You should go do this so that you can learn about this interest industry and then get into it. I would say what we're doing right now, like these events. I mean, it's this is, to, to me, I, I wish this was a thing 10 years ago when I first started it because I would have loved to just, you know, j just bring in the awareness. And uh, again, I mentioned just go take the class. I mean, at AWS mentioned that, you know, the some free classes around or something. Just get exposure to it and see if it's something that, that sparks your interest. And if it does, I think, you know, hard work, dedication, that, you know, those two kind of go hand in hand. And it, if if you're interested and passionate about it, it'll it'll take you as far as you want to go. So I think just just giving it a try, the, the awareness about it, giving it a shot, seeing if it's for you, and understanding that there's a real demand and a real need for the, these particular skill sets in the market right now. So, and then Quinn, did you want to add anything? Yeah. Um, so something else that um, I've learned since working closely with the folks here in Ohio, um, there is a vested interest in career technical education and apprenticeships. And so um, if that is an available in your school, in your district, in your area, I would say take a look, um, you know, search it, ask your um, career counselor or career support persons at your schools. Um, I would also say to look up um, the companies. So Team Fishel, we love them. They are nationwide. They're not just here. So if you're listening and you're not in Ohio, um, go to their website, look them up. Um, they have opportunities all over, right? Um, and then you can also look at um, other fiber optic or fusion uh, splicing or fusion workshops and cabling. Um, there's a bunch of different industry-based certifications. If you're not ready to sit for the certification, um, there's always free resource material um, and then Google, <laughs> Google. Uh, but yeah but YouTube has a lot of great um, videos I think Sumitomo has a bunch of their um, videos on YouTube where you can actually watch someone do a splice and they talk about what they're doing and, and they talk about the equipment so um, there's a ton of different opportunities um, low stakes right so you know searching and researching and then maybe medium stakes you know you may want to get yourself out there come to a fusion splicing workshop or talk to your career counselor um, and then if you're looking for actual job, apprenticeships and internships. All right. And then, Pat, did you have anything that you wanted to add? I think that really pretty much covers it. Um, there is a wealth of information. So if it's, you really can access it just by hopping on the internet. So, yeah, I, I, I the, the, the resources are available just from a general research uh, standpoint, very, very readily available. You can put in optical fiber, you can talk about, put in optical fiber splicing, um, and uh, as you start to research it, uh, like Quinn said, you know, kind of reach out to the different types of uh, <clears throat> um, training and stuff that's available because there, there is a lot of training that's available regardless of where you're located. Um, I would imagine that would be probably to a certain extent internationally as well. And yeah, I was just going to reiterate what 
to Quinn's point, I mean, internships are great. Like that, that's how I started. That's, I, I started an internship while I was in school, got to the, the IT telecommunication side of things and, you know, found out a, I had a real passion for it. So, I mean, by all means, team filter or not, apply for internships. You know, Quinn said we're all over the nation. So we've got internships all over the place. It's a great way to to kind of get your feet wet, test the waters and see if it's really for you. And then, you know, just reaching out and kind of making those connections and YouTube. I, I learned a lot of stuff on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys all so much. I learned so much today. Thank you for all the wonderful insights. And now let's toss the mic back over to Elise. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And Ibrahim, thank you for doing a great job um, for our mic takeover. Um, You know, I always like to close the show um, with our guests by recognizing the fact that we've got a lot of folks out there in the world who are sitting here listening to this, and they're imagining themselves, okay, well, this thing is super cool, this this boot camp, this opportunity, this food fusion splicing thing. And I really, really want to be part of that as an educator and as a school. So, you know, how can K-12 help you, each of you, in your piece of the work um, or certainly um, in the career opportunity their students may be headed for? So, Quinn, I'm going to put you on the spot. First, from Amazon, you know, Web Services sort of perspective, what, what can K-12 do to be helpful to you? Yeah, so I would say uh, have an open mind. Um, There's a lot of opportunities that uh, AWS, so not specifically Quinn, but AWS Mm -hmm. in general has for K-12 education. We have something called We Build It Better, um, which connects to different STEAM uh, opportunities, and they actually bring the work in class, and there's different projects throughout the year and all different grade levels. We have Think Big Spaces, which um, we were just in, Ireland uh, a couple weeks ago, and the Think Big space there was working on um, teaching students how to code, um, and they learned how to code by uh, having a a rancher a ranger uh, catch a poacher. So I mean, different <laughs> different ways to do things um, here. But also, um, this is the first time that we've had the fusion splicing at with K twelve education. So this is a pilot for us. Um, so past is the inaugural. Class uh, for <laughs> I did not K-12. know that. That's yes, awesome. I did this, not realize well, that. Pat and team created this brand new just for you. So maybe in the future we'll we'll be able to do it more. But we're really excited um, to bring this to the to the students here and just gather as much information as possible about how we could possibly do this again. Um, when the fusion splicing courses began back in 2019, um, we only did about one or two or three that year. Um, and then COVID happened, right? And then, um, you know, we, we got to 2022 and we did about 10 in 2022. This year, we're looking to almost double that. So, I mean, it's just really been an explosive growth. Um, bear with us as, as we work through the growth, but um, definitely have an open mind um, and be willing to try things. Awesome. Thank you very much, Quinn. Wesley, same question to you. I would say, I think Quinn hit it right on the, the nail on the head with the, the open mind portion of it. I mean, it's you know, this industry and in particular fusion splicing is a very, for whatever reason, very not well known about particular fields. So, you know, having an open mind, giving it a shot. um, I mean, we're always looking for splicers to hire. We're always looking for, for, you know, uh, (laughs) for technicians, things of that nature. So, I mean, 
you know, starting them, starting K through 12, starting early. I mean, that's, that's a great way to kind of put the bug in the ear, let them give it a, give it a shot with a, you know, like you were saying, a, a low stress, no, you know, um, I guess not a high stress environment or what have you. It's kind of something that you can try out, feel it out, see if it's for you. And then obviously the, the being able to expand on that and continue to grow and ultimately maybe coming to work for team Fisher to help these guys. So, you know, that's, that's the goal here. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Pat, actually it's a harder question to you, right? So, you know, from the K-12 perspective, you're out here being an instructor, you're training the folks, but K-12 really wants to interact with you. So what might that look like or or what is it, right? That the folks can be helpful as you're thinking about training folks in this career path. No, absolutely. And I mean, I even say just, even just from a manufacturing um, uh, perspective when it comes to uh, this this industry, we're always looking at ways to actually uh, show the practical application of the STEM skills that we're teaching, right? Um, even just kind of walking around the past foundation, I saw 3D printers and so on and so forth. So when you're doing manufacturing, there's there's a lot of components that me just taking a brief look at the facility, am I saying? Awesome. These are skill sets that relate specifically to the uh, to the manufacturing side. But when you start talking about uh, optical fiber and uh, you know using light to transmit information, well, that, that's physics right there for you, right? So, um, from a perspective of a K through twelve, um, I think we're again always looking for ways to show the. Um, uh, practical applications of this great knowledge that we're that we're imparting. I think it gives good context to our students as well. Um, so based on that, I mean, continue doing, but maybe start looking at optical fiber and and sh- and showing how the different skills are being taught in the math and sciences relate to that would be very helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we, we work with schools and teachers, um, school districts and community partners all the time to really figure out how do I take those in demands, those those industry opportunities that we have and literally translate them into the way we teach the content that we're, 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 we're needing to, to instruct in um, inside of our existing coursework. So it's super doable. So those of you that have been listening um, and you're like, God, this is super cool, but I still don't know how I'm going to do it in my English class, for example, um, reach out. We will help you with that because it absolutely has application. So thank you all very much for taking time out of your day to join us and sort of share uh, with us, you know, what this career opportunity is. And we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up step back and lean in to reimagine education.